Welcome to the American Institute of Stress podcast, Finding Contentment. The goal of this podcast is to bring you information about stress and stress management techniques. While we know that stress is a very personalized issue and different for everyone, we hope to help you find your own way to contentment. Greetings, everyone. I'm your host and executive director of the American Institute of Stress, Will Heckman. I want to thank you all for joining us today and hopefully for all our future podcasts. These podcasts focus on stress and stress-related issues, and I want to remind everybody to uh, don't forget to follow us and send in those reviews. You know, because of the COVID-19 virus, we are all making a lot of changes in our daily lives. All of these changes can cause a much higher level of stress, not the least of which is how we are now doing our jobs. Many people are going through the transition of now working from home, something that they never had to do before or even considered. Now, even in a normal situation, a change like that would cause people to be very stressed. But when we're added to everything else that's going on, it can seem overwhelming. You know, my wife is a teacher and many teachers are experiencing the same thing she is. Schools are closed. But education, it has to go on. It hasn't stopped. And she's had to make a lot of major changes in the way she prepares for her classes and the way she delivers her lessons. Teachers, as well as many other people, have had to learn new skills and a lot of new technology. So many people are going through similar changes in their work life. And these changes are compounding the amounts of stress that people are dealing with. And that is where (laughs) the American Institute of Stress come in. And today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Dr. Rosina Lacani. Dr. Rosina has been on a mission for over two decades to promote health and happiness. She's the number one best-selling author, a transformational speaker and psychiatrist, and Dr. Rosina has over 20 years' experience helping people, thousands of people, to improve their stress and anxiety and depression. Uh, She's also the developer of the American Institute of Stress Certified Program in the Practice of Stress Management. That's titled Stress to Joy. And you can find that course, of course, at stress.org. She's a clinical professor at the uh, University of Washington and medical director of Resident 12 Women Drug Treatment Program. And she's a fellow of the American Institute of Stress and a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and and Neurology and And you can learn more about her and, of course, read her great blogs at drrosina.com. That's D-R-R-O-Z-I-N-A.com. Dr. Rosina, thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody's doing well and and, and where you are. Thank you so much for inviting. And thank you for our audience to listening. Uh, Yes, uh, all of us are healthy and happy at this time and uh, trying our best to help our uh, fellow uh, fellow doctors and nurses who are on front line and our patients who are trying to do their best uh, in this stressful environment. Uh, and it is a big change for a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's causing a lot of stress and a lot of us, um, well, a lot of people in the stress field are, are changing even the way they talk to people. You know, our world, has changed so much lately, especially our jobs. I, I used to drive a half hour each way back and forth to work. You know, there, I used to use that time. It allowed me to set my mind into a work mode. 
<laughs> now a lot of people are working where they live. So I guess my first question is, how do we mentally prepare for work when we are working from home? We're already at our work site. I, I share your sentiment because I have to do the same thing. All our patients, we had to change to telehealth. Right. So, um, except the TMS patient where like other patients have to be seated on the machine. So that's when I go once a week. The rest of the time I'm seeing patients all from home. Um, and trying to train all the patients to be seen from home is another um, stressor as a provider we go through. But a lot of times, um, you're, you're so right. Going from home to work kind of created this boundary and a time to prepare your mind for change um, and uh, get into the set, mo set of uh, uh, working uh, but when you are working at home, you know, you're just kind of going from one room to the other or just in sitting in front of the computer. So, um, and I know that it is so important for our mental well-being to have those boundaries. So one, one funny thing I have started doing is that um, when I am leaving for coming in front of the computer, I started doing all the routines that I usually used to do going to work. So now I go and um, say good goodbye. I'm going to work to my daughter and to my <laughs> I'll see you at lunchtime. So it's kind of creating a boundary for me. And then um, when I sit down, um, I you know I get into this work mode. And at lunchtime, when I used to take lunch at uh, at my office, same time. I'm kind of closing my computer and going for my lunch break, coming back again. And um, at the end of the day, I'm turning off the computer and going for a walk with the family. Mm -hmm. What I was noticing before I started doing these things, I was continuing to work in the evening, like, you know, because you don't have to go back to home. Um, therefore, you know, your hours get stretched. And so I was continuing to work or like, you know, in the middle, um, I'll remember something and I'll come back and starting to work. And I realized how it was affecting me and causing me stress. And therefore now I'm intentionally making an effort to have the start time, break time and stop time. And I think that kind of boundary can help uh, all of us. I, that's, you know, that's a really good point. And you brought up something that I didn't even think of doctors like you not only have to change the way you're working, but you have to train your patients on how to, to do that as well. Uh, so it, it, that's, that's very interesting. I didn't even think about that, you know, because uh, again, teachers are going through that too. They're, they're training their students on how to learn online. And, and you brought up a very good point. When we're working at home, there's a chance that your life becomes all about work. You go from one chair to the next chair for all intensive purposes, you're always at work. And, and that sounds like it could be very stressful. So I, I think what you said about routines, about uh, making a routine that sort of separates our work from our home life, even though it's at the same place now, uh, is very important. We'll talk about that a little bit more. One of the problems that people have asked me about, and I experience it too, is how to handle distractions. You know, you could be in the middle of something or speaking to a patient. And like you said, you say, 
so long to your family. I'm going to work now. Um, but how do you handle distractions? Since we've been talking, my dog's been trying to get my attention three times. <laughs> I'm sure she just wants a treat. But how, how, what are good, some good tips on how to handle those distractions? And um, like you were saying, as doctors, we have additional layer of <clears throat> needs. So like I also have to maintain patient's privacy. I don't want... True. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, like when you were when you were talking about how to train our patients, I have to. It's kind of like you know, funny trying to train these uh, seventy-year-old um, patients of mine who are like so scared of technology, and trying to help have them uh, walk through um, doing things that technology-wise, and so I'm trying to walk them through. Um, getting on the screen and you know talking in, in uh, on the video, but at the same time I have to make sure that my boundary is there so their privacy is maintained, and their boundary is also there so their privacy is maintained. So I usually ask them, um, "Is somebody around around you, and, right. um, and and are you comfortable talking?" And so sometimes they have like you know if they're their kids, you know, they would show. Uh, so like I had a patient <clears throat> the other day and she has like one three-year-old and one five-year-old and they're like, you're, you know, they want to come and sit, uh, sit in mom's lap. Right. They don't really understand boundaries That's right. <laughs> at that age. Right. So. <laughs> so, so what we do is like, you know, we just kind of make a little introduction and say, hi, this is doc mom's doctor. And I would say, hi, how are you doing? How's your day going? Uh, can we talk? Can I talk to your mom? Can we kind of go play something? And so, uh, having having them uh, find their own distraction, but kind of including and giving them the reason why they need to give um, the mom or dad some private time. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is like um, if if they're like you know two partner home, and both both of partners are working from home, and they have uh, young children. Um, we are nowadays like you know because the schools are closed, kind of uh, in a situation we are having to have the forced childcare. <laughs> right. And so, so we need to kind of develop new routines in terms of either, uh, you know, take turns. And so this is my time to work and you take care of the kids and this is your time to work and I take care of the kids. And so kind of taking turns like that may help um, explaining to the kids, even when they're younger, many times just uh, explaining the reason really help. And then, um, there would be some amount of distraction no matter what. So you need to also develop your internal tools to be able to, okay, if I get distracted, I come back over here and then I take kind of smaller, <clears throat> smaller breaks. Like, you know, um, I use a timer. Um, we call it tomato timer <laughs> or Pomodoro method. Oh, oh you do. A, <laughs> yeah. So I do like, you know, uh, 25 minutes. And so then I would take this five minutes break and take care of these immediate needs. So then the next half an hour gets a little more distraction free. Well, you know, I was a former teacher too, and, and we lived our life by a bell that went off. We were Pavlovian dogs. <laughs> you know, the bell goes off, the kids leave, the bell goes on again, more kids come in. And, and that's how we lived our life, you know. So it was a very distracting kind of environment anyway. What you said about a Two partners, both of them working from home is also very interested because a lot of people were not prepared for this. That's right. One of the things that I, I have seen happening, somebody mentioned this to me the other day, is that both partners have to sh share that workspace. 
and that that brings in a whole other kind of problem. We're fortunate in my house that we we both have individual offices, but not everybody was prepared for this, and they probably don't have individual offices. And they're I don't know if they're sharing a desk, but if you've ever done that, that's a nightmare. But, <laughs> but you know, these days, um, I guess people are forced to do that. It's I guess it's our new normal for at least for a little while. And, yeah. and uh, set, our setting of boundaries is if, if the office door is closed, don't knock. <laughs> because I'm probably on the air or speaking to someone uh, like you. Um, but one funny thing that I noticed, like um, one of my staff, she doesn't have, she has a couple of young kids and she has her mother take care of these little kids. But again, the, if mom is home, kids want to disturb. And and there's no, like, you know, as such a room where she could, she could have, she doesn't have an office uh, room in her home. Right. So uh, she has a little uh, utility room downstairs by the <laughs> by the back door and so she has created that utility room into her office now so she can close it's kind of at the back of the house by the by the laundry machines and stuff but she has kept her uh, desk and her uh, laptop um, and and created that as her office space so that she she gets least amount of disturbance and then uh, when she has to kind of talk um, uh, something private and, and um, she she steps out of her home uh, on the back porch and she talks from the back porch. I, it's, I was doing a podcast the other day with, with uh, uh, Jim Porter and he mentioned that somebody, the biggest complaint they had to uh, about changing their work environment was it didn't have a window. Yeah. <laughs> it was, they were stuck in a room with no window and they, they you know, they would start in the morning, they would lose sense of time. And, and like you said, you, you have a timer and that helps you to know when it's lunch. I found myself when I first started working from home, forgetting about things like that. And all of a sudden, not feeling healthy, uh, feeling shaky, feeling, feeling you know, uh, anxiety. And I, I realized, okay, it's two o'clock and I haven't even stopped to eat. And so that's a lot of things for many people, the work structure, that daily routine that they once felt to be stifling, like I did, I said, you know, that, that bell going off and that's how I lived my life now feel like it was scaffolding on which they built their lives. And that scaffolding have, has been pulled out from under them and now structure is self-imposed. So how, you know, how do they build that structure? Never have done that before. Well, we all are learning. <laughs> I, how true. Necessity is the father of innovation. So we are innovating. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, you, you mentioned one issue of forgetting to eat. Uh, uh, many of the people are facing the opposite of it, opposite of that, kind of going between the refrigerator and the kitchen counter, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> Well, yeah, one of the bad things of working at home is uh, everything, your refrigerator is yours. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's hard, uh, but I think that's where the intention comes in. And so when you, um, when you ha set your intention, like, you know, I have a, um, uh, a practice myself and I teach that practice to everybody is to have a morning journaling routine. So I start my day with, a, with my gratitude journal. I say, uh, 
three things that I'm grateful for. And then I do my priorities for the day. And so once you have kind of set the priorities and, and uh, set the boundaries, this, these are the things you want to do and these are the things you are going to do and then become aware of all the obstacles that you may face and coming up with you know um, uh, thoughts what how you're going to handle those obstacles so like I was saying the way I'm setting up the boundaries now was not that uh, that's not how I was doing it from very beginning I got into trouble myself and I recognized that this is happening and what I can do and so I started setting up the boundary and so you mentioned the boundary of time. There's a boundary of space, like you said, the closing of the door. Um, if you don't have the door, kind of finding that, that spot where you could have that privacy. Um, and so there is, there's also boundary of um, uh, getting dressed or like, you know, you know, you wear different clothes when you go to work. You wear different clothes when you go to sleep. You go wear different clothes when you go for a gym or a party. So when you are going to work, whether it is at home or outside home, dressing up also helps you get into that mindset. So I have, um, I have, you know, as I said, like, you know, initially I was not keeping those routines and I was kind of feeling that things were not get going right. So since then I got back into my routine. So I, I wake up, I do my journal, then I go my, do my treadmill for 30 minutes. I go shower, change, dress up, um, do the breakfast, say goodbye to my family and come to work. <laughs> and at the end of the day, again, you know, I close the computer, I change, go for a walk. And, and so that kind of uh, determines the beginning and end. But also, as I said, like, you know, the dressing up is one of the ways you can create the boundaries uh, in addition to space and time boundaries. And do you think doing that, having that routine and have, putting yourself on a schedule or inventing whatever schedule you need to invent for yourself alleviates some of that stress from working at home? Yes. Human beings are uh, beings of cre uh, routine. So, so we like routines. Okay, we are uh, creatures of structure. So, uh, when there is structure, we do much better. We are more productive. We are more focused. We are less stressed, and so um, that having that routine helps. Plus, intention helps. And I think that is very important component that sometimes we we forget and we kind of start flowing with the flow of uh, whatever is happening in life. And um, but there's a lot of lot of option for us to make intentional choice of doing things this way or that way. It's a mindset. Sure. Absolutely. It's how you, and we've all know that stress sometimes has a lot to do with perception. If you embrace working from home as, okay, this is an, an opportunity for me to learn new technologies, not like, oh my God, I got to learn how to do this and, and embrace it, it might alleviate that stress too because your perception and your mindset changes. So, Another uh, one of my, one of my uh, nieces called this uh, dual transaction. A what transaction? A dual transaction. Dual transaction. <laughs> you know, in my, like uh, she read my book, The Stress to Joy, and one of the concepts I talk about in the, in the book is called Emotional Coping Account. So like we have a bank account, everybody has a bank account, right? So we, we put some deposits and we, we have some withdrawals. Um, so if the, if the withdrawals are more than the deposits, what happens? Account you're, you're, yeah, you're at a negative and that's not good. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And so um, 
So uh, if the withdrawals are high, you know, the stressors are high, you cannot control what is happening with COVID-19 right now. You cannot control how many people are getting infected or how many people are you know, dying from it. It's very stressful. It is not in your control. But then there are certain things that are in your control. You know, you can try to uh, do the social distancing and working from home and um, washing your hands or, you know, yeah. taking care of yourself, uh, stop smoking, <laughs> <laughs> the, the things that, that you can do to help yourself, those are the things that are in your control. Um, but then you can do additional things like um, we, what I call simple deposits that improves your ability to uh, tolerate, tolerate the stress. And, um, and so, I, um, so these are called deposits. Like, you know, simple things like, you know, um, doing your exercise or eating well or taking the mindful breaks, uh, going for the walk. And so those are the things that are called deposits in your emotional coping account. So stressors are withdrawals, uh, self-care and things that makes you feel good are deposits in your coping account. So when uh, my niece read that book, um, she was talking about, you know, when we were asking, talking about school and she said, uh, my school is a dual transaction. I said, what? And she said, it's a deposit because it's an opportunity. I enjoy meeting with my friends. I enjoy learning, but it's also a withdrawal. It's a lot, a lot of stress uh, to go to school. So I said, yeah, that's, that's uh, like, you know, there are many things that are like that, you know. So working from home is dual transaction. It is uh, less stressful. Now you're saving time of commute. You're not getting stuck in traffic. Um, you are. You you can be more productive because you're focused and you're not getting distracted. You know the work environment. But then there are also the uh, the withdrawal because then there are other kinds of distraction and all these needs for routine and so learning new technologies. So these are kind of withdrawals. But at the same, so these are dual transaction, and we need to focus on um, how we can get the best out of it and uh, minimize the uh, negative aspect of it. At the end of the day, like all our bank accounts, we want to have it in the, in the uh, black, not in the red. <laughs> we right. want it be, to be doing well. You know, you mentioned um, the social distancing. And I was wondering if the lack of personal interaction, in other words, we're doing everything online, can feel less personal than a face-to-face -face encounter and a conversation. Uh, do you think that lack of connection with our coworkers and our self-imposed, or sometimes it's not self-imposed, it's a government-imposed isolation, can add to that stress? You know, I, at sometimes when we were at work, that interaction with that other worker was stressful. Now that lack of interaction with that same worker can feel just as stressful. How do we handle that, that, that lack of person face-to-face -face interaction at that, that social isolation? And you know, in that way, there is, there is no exact solution for human connection. You know, when, mm. when I shake hands with the patient, I know that touch, that, that interaction cannot have online. But on the other hand, um, we also we can also improve our communication by doing more um, video connection. So communication has three aspects to it. There are words, there are tones, and then there are visual cues. Uh, 
So we communicate many different ways. And so when we are just doing communication by email or text, it becomes less personal, personable than compared to talking on phone. And then that is less personable than um, seeing each other through video. And yes. that is a less personable than having the direct one-to-one uh, -one contact or being with a group of people. And, you know, this is also going to pass. This is not going to be permanent. This We are going through a temporary situation, but we need to do that because this is the need of the time. Right. So having that, okay, this is for a short period of time. How can we mitigate the loneliness by using the best uh, options we have? and uh, getting through this phase. And then once the once uh, we are out of this crisis, then we can start socializing again. I, you know, I couldn't agree more. I think it's just a temporary situation. And I think people have to remember that. Um, one of the things that's causing so much stress is the fact that people are glued to, to, to news about it all day long. And, and it's a lot of times it's conflicting news. So that's, that's stressful in itself. You, you right. spoke That's a little bit. I tell my patients, um, so like uh, one of my patients was saying that you have to listen to the news all day because anything can happen anytime. And I said, no, you don't have to listen to the news all day. No. <laughs> listen to the news 15 minutes, half an hour in the morning and 15 minutes or half an hour at, the, at, at night. And that half an hour to one hour of news is more than enough because oh. most of the time the news keeps repeating. Uh, yes. Thing. And then you feel like, you know, all your life is full with just that negative news. But there is a lot more to life than just news. It is important to be informed. It's important to get educated. It's important to take steps to protect yourself and protect your loved ones. But at the same time, you also have to keep living and finding alternatives, alternate ways of uh, living the best life possible within the circumstances. And you're right. It's just circumstantial. I mean, uh like you said, it's going to end sooner or later. You spoke for a moment about mindfulness breaks. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that? What, what that means and, and what are best practices for that? So um, uh, mindfulness word has been used a lot nowadays in media. Everybody is talking about it. There's a lot of mindfulness apps. And so basically the word mindfulness means um, being aware moment by moment intentionally and non-judgmentally. So that's kind of definition of mindfulness. What I find is a lot of people that they feel that being mindfulness means just uh, sitting down and meditating for uh, half an hour, an hour, or just um, enjoying whatever is happening. And so there's kind of confusing messages in um, uh, available at, at this time. So I want to clarify that there is a map of mindfulness. And the map represents three components of mindfulness, meditation, attitude, and practice. So a lot of times, you know, um, one of my friends, she said, oh, I, I'm being mindful and I'm getting so angry. And I said, well, why is mindfulness making you angry? And she said, I am noticing everything and I'm noticing so many wrongs happening around us. And I am noticing all <laughs> Everything that is wrong at my home and my, and my uh, in my life, and so it's making me angry. And I said, like, mindfulness doesn't mean just noticing and keeping your negative attitude. Right. There's a the whole set of attitudes that go with mindfulness because it's non-judgmental. So you have to 
observe things without passing judgment. Plus you have to also doing it, uh, staying in the moment. So I use this example of, let's say um, there's a beautiful sunset, you know, you see a beautiful sunset and you notice it. And then in scenario one, you notice it and uh, you are able to, you, and then it kind of gives you the thought, oh, this is so beautiful uh, sunset. Oh, I remember last year when I was on vacation, there was such a beautiful sunset and this happened and that happened. And, and so your mind kind of gets distracted and now you are in past. You are, you're not enjoying the sunset right now. And then your mind drifted. And by the time the mind comes back, the sun is gone. So your sunset <laughs> is gone. <laughs> so, so uh, and scenario two, you are watching the sunset you have you may have this thought oh this is beautiful sunset and it is kind of like the sunset i saw last year but let me stay with this sunset and you just observe it and and uh look at it and in, experience the beauty and the peace and calm that you feel and then watch it setting and it's okay that sunsets but when you stay in that moment you can actually enjoy that life fully that's, and that's so is true. <clears throat> so that is a mindfulness in terms of practice. Then there is a component of mindfulness that is meditation. When, you know, five minutes, sometimes I suggest to my patients, <clears throat> five minutes, three times a day, try to sit quietly with your eyes closed, focus on your breath, or just uh, do the all is well meditation. <laughs> I started a 16 second uh, meditation where you put, why don't we do it together? Uh, Bill, put your hand on your chest. <laughs> okay. Breathe in for, uh, we'll breathe in for four seconds. We'll hold it for four seconds. We'll breathe out for four seconds. And then we'll take a uh, gap for four seconds. So okay. breathe, when you breathe in, you say all. When you hold, you say is. And when you're breathing out, say well. So breathe okay. in. All, all is, is well. Yeah. Well, it does feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All is well. You know what? I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be doing that today. <laughs> Probably for the rest of it. Because <laughs> that really does feel good. I hope our listeners followed along with us. Because it really did feel good. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me. Attitude of like, you know, acceptance, which I earlier talked about. Right. You know, it reminds me a little bit about, you know, kids used to ask me all the time about that. I said, you got to live your life like a dog. What? <laughs> what the heck? What does that mean? I said, well, you know, if I yell at my dog, he gets, he, he might get his feelings hurt. Truthfully, <laughs> she does. And in two seconds later, she's past that. She's living in the moment. Not worried about 10 minutes ago that I, I yelled at her for, I don't know, whatever she was doing, chewing on a shoe or something. Um, but it, it, it reminds me a little bit about that, of living in that moment and enjoying that moment, taking the time for that sunset. I, I do that a lot. You know, I, 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 I hate to say that, but we live in different parts of the country. And here in, in Florida, we, um, we kind of, learn to deal with these things every hurricane season because <laughs> we have a hurricane bearing down on us and we sort of uh, prepare for it and we live in the moment and not worry too much about that hurricane hitting us because 
It may never do that. And you could lose days, maybe even a week of worrying about something that is never going to happen. So living in that moment is, and taking those mindfulness breaks, especially the way you just said it, um, really is going to be beneficial to everybody who's feeling that stress of working at home. So like, let me just kind of share one thought that came to my sure. mind about when you talked about worrying about hurricane. So see, when the hurricanes come, it is important that you uh, are aware of it, that you take steps that are within your control, and then you stop worrying about it for the rest of the time. So if you have 24 hours in a day, you don't have to worry about it for 24 hours. You become aware that that is an issue, find what you can do, take the steps that are needed. That may take an hour, two hours of your day to take steps of like, you know, taking the precautions or, um, you know, moving to a safer place or whatever needs Putting to up shutters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So whatever needs to happen, you take steps to take, uh, to do those things. But then there is no reason to punish yourself by continuing to worry for like other 22 hours of the day. Very, very good point. So we're coming to the end of our time. I, is there any, any, couple of tips or anything that you want to say lastly about the stress of working from home and a couple, anything that the people out there can really take with them. That meditation technique was absolutely great. I, I really do think that was great. Um, is there anything else that people can do to alleviate some of the stress of working at home? Sure. Um, I usually use this uh, basic mental CPR formula. Okay. Um, and uh, it's kind of in detail in my uh, book and course on stress to joy uh, that you mentioned earlier. But um, a brief uh, synopsis of it is that like a body when it is in, in crisis or uh, it's dying, we give the physical CPR, right? Uh, it's cardiopulmonary resuscitation. But when our mind is at brink of, you know, having a mental breakdown <laughs> and these small, small stressors kind of uh, uh, bring us to the brink of that, um, we need to do this mental CPR. And we don't have to wait till that point comes. We can continue to do it on a regular basis so we don't reach that point of mental breakdown. And so the, uh, the condensed formula for CPR is C for calm down. So we just talked about calming down with mindfulness and awareness. The P stands for processing. So thinking through what is within your control and what is outside your control. Focusing on things that are in your control. And the R is with response, responding with the choice. See, like you said, that it all depends on attitude. You can say, oh my God, now I have to work from home versus, oh great, I have an opportunity to work from home. So that, that response of um, making it a choice as if you, it's your choice. It's, it is an it is an outside condition. Yes, it is being imposed on you for because of for whatever reason. Now it is your choice to either accept and make it your choice how you're going to handle it or just keep in the mindset of being the victim of that being imposed on you. So when you practice um, this mental CPR, calm down, 
process and respond with the choice, then you can handle any of the stressors or any of the challenges that come in your life. If you don't do that, you know, this stress, the small, small stress keeps on building up. Then it results into you becoming more irritable with the family. Mm-hmm. You start focus, you know, you start destroying the very thing you are trying to save. Um, your body, your mind, your peace, uh, your peace, your happiness, all those things start getting affected if you don't address it in time. But if you do, then you can change these stressors in, from a cause of suffering to opportunities for growth. Wow, great point. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us today. A lot of the things you said, I know our listeners are going to use um, to alleviate some of that stress. So again, I really want to thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you today, as it always is. Um, thank you so much. I, I also enjoy talking with you, and I hope it helps uh, all of our listeners uh, stay happy and healthy in these stressful times and become out more resilient and more stronger. Thank you. It was great information today. And again, anyone that would like to learn more about Dr. Rosina, please visit her website at drrosina.com and take her course. And to do that, it's available through the American Institute of Stress. All you have to do is visit us at stress.org and look for Stress to Joy. And a lot of the things we talked about today are in that online course, Stress to Joy. This has been Will Heckman. I want to thank everybody for joining us today and remind you again to follow us and review us. And remember to help, remember your support helps us to keep making these podcasts. And I want to remind everybody that just as stress is different for all of us, for each of us, there is no one stress reduction or management strategy that is right for everyone. Please join us next time as we explore more stress management strategies and insights. Remember, again, to visit us at stress.org and gather some information, some tools and techniques to live a healthier, happier, and longer life. I hope the information you heard today will help you find contentment. Good day, everybody.